Hello, welcome to Racing Debate with myself and Mr. Matt Chapman with you. Good to see you, Matt. Morning, Sean. Delighted you've made it because you've been so busy. I must have been a late flight for you. <sighs> you know what? I'm just delighted Ukraine won, Sean. I'm just delighted Ukraine won. It was great to be at the Eurovision uh, last night and the right... If you didn't result. see this, if you didn't see this, Matt Chapman was hosting the uh, Estonian David Probush. Tallinn was where you it's were. It's much more like Sonic than me, to be fair. I think it's about 50-50 Probert Chapman there, but you were certainly, certainly a ringer for you. Anyway, Sean, today's show, Baid. Is he the best horse in the world? I say yes. We'll certainly talk about Baid and what he achieved yesterday in a scintillating success in the lock-in. Is he the best? Does he have the potential to be the best? We'll talk about that. We're also going to hear from Andrew Black. He's an owner, he's a breeder, he co-founded Betfair, and he says the sport of horse racing is facing an existential threat. Find out why. And the trainer, I th arguably loves me more than anyone else in the world, Gay Kellaway. Honestly, I think she's been trying to go out with me for years, but she will be on the show. She's gone all the way to the Polish border with Ukraine to get away. Coming up. Welcome to the Racing Debate after that seamless intro. It's silky smooth. Uh, we will hear from Gay Kellaway, who's doing amazing work. We'll hear more about that in due course. But we'll start with Bayid, shall yes. we? You, you, you just boldly stated best horse in the world. He's got, he's got to have a claim for that. What, whatever the figures say, that was imperious. He's said. potentially the best horse in the world still, I, I would say. Um, not one of the best, but the best horse in the world. Um, but not if you actually went through this race and got away from the fact that he... He looked incredible and he blitzed them. He's beaten real world three and a quarter lengths, who was rated seven pounds inferior. So you could say that's just about what you might expect. Chindit, who was only a length and three quarters back in third, is only rated 112, Sean. You say only 112. You're alcohol free. Well, 112 there. is group three listed class. Yeah, well. But so you have to look. look the simple truth is we have lacked an absolute worldie on the world stage in recent times. Well, they don't come along that No, way. we haven't had many horses rated 130-plus, yeah. which is what Bailly needs to get to, to be considered in the mould of a Frankler see the stars, etc. So, on a strict reading of the figures, you can make the case he, ha he hasn't hit that yet. But this was Not with that run. Back no. this season as well. But we all expect so much more yeah. because we don't think that his rating is... is whatever rating he gets, and you could just keep him on 125, we think he's much better than that. And we kind of get into the honeysuckle uh, territory here, don't we? You can only beat what's in front of you. Yes. Um, but he is clearly very exciting. I mean, I was looking back at the Leicester win, first time out, Sean. And um, when you look at that, slowly away, two furlongs out, he's not going to be in the first three, comes through strong. Everything said a mile and a quarter for this horse. I mean, there might come a time in this horse's career when we're saying, how did he do that all over a mile? Yeah. Because he's totally bred well, to go... Well, I think Judmont's very much on the agenda, we hope. Judmont International, so we're going... his stuff. Queen Anne odds on, yeah. Sussex Stakes, probably odds on, because I'll throw a spanner in the works there in a minute, and then Judmont International. Because one thing people haven't noticed, I think, completely, but I'm going to bring it up now, Sean, in the, on a, a big moment for this show, is Baid has exactly the same profile as a certain Caribus. In what way? They've all run over a mile all their careers. Yeah. You'd expect these horses to have slightly done something different so far. Caribus, four runs, all over a mile. Baid, 
Never gone anything other than a mile since the day he was born. And so a Caribus Baid smash up in the Sussex Stakes, on the basis Caribus wins the St James's Palace, is not the most ridiculous idea. And you would have these two horses of a different age, but of a totally the same profile going into the smash up. I don't want to put it out there already because we know these big battles tend not to happen. It's a nice but thought, though. It's Caribus nice thought. v Baid is something we all want, isn't I, it? It is. When you said you'd spotted something that nobody else had, I thought you were going to talk about the See the Stars King Mambo Cross, which is fascinating. We don't have time to go into it. No, although Kevin Blake went in for <laughs> Came up with a whole list of horses that It were was a very, very, very good poor. point. It, no, poor, that was like... Yeah, that was, was the, one of his worst moments. He had, he had some bone, bad moments on that was Kevin good. Blake, and that, that was, was just good. one of them. That was good. That was very good. Uh, well, we've got lots to look forward to with Baid. Uh, Longines ranking. You see, the, the Hong Kong Jockey Club throws up these, and these are horses who've raced this year, as you can see, but only up to yeah. 8th of May, so he hasn't run yet. But I think they already had him sort of 1-2-1. One, one and, and, and your view, Matt, would be they can't put him up a whole lot for what he's done in the lock-inch. I mean, you could put him up a pound, up. maybe, just yeah. because you'd say he's won with a ton in hand. Yeah. But... Realistically, he's done what his rating suggests. Um, Which will put him right in yeah. that mix, I think. You know, life is good. Obviously, he went over a longer trip in Dubai. It's really hard to fault him. I mean, he was brilliant in the Pegasus. But he's won and got beaten. Nature Strip, you know what? Nature Strip's a good old stick, but I don't think anyone thinks he's an absolute worldie as far as sprinters are concerned. And then you've gone Golden 60, of course, is, in most people's ideas, the top horse now in the world, I, I think. Um, Golden 60 is number one, really, now. Um, well, it, but again, it's not a high rating. No. You know, and high rating is 130 plus. These are apples and oranges comparisons to some extent. Turf and dirt and different distances and all that sort of stuff. And Look, Baid is, is going to be the best. At the well, moment. by the end of the season, we'd hope he'll be way clear of that. Well, I can't see any of those improving much more than they've done. Nature Strip is an old horse. Life is good is just going to keep winning probably mild dirt races if he hangs around a bit. He'll probably end up winning the Breeders' Cup Classic again if he's still around then. Um, certainly the Kentucky Derby winner won't be winning the Breeders' Cup Classic. Um, and um, uh, Golden 60s, we're not going to really see probably on the European stage. He was no. hopefully going to go to Japan, Japanese but isn't. Stage, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, he's uh, staying put for the time being, it seems. Uh, uh, Stradivarius, we should mention very quickly, that was a nice story this week. Uh, oh, look, parading I mean, before the Yorkshire crowds. Yeah, but any crowds yeah. are going to mop up Stradivarius. And uh, I've, 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 again, he's not always produced incredible figures in his career, Stradivarius. But like these horses that just keep winning and keep coming back, you can give them nothing but credit. Yeah. And that is what he does. And there's something about him and the emotion with Frankie... Um, everyone loves Stradivarius, don't they? And, they do. and it's not they impossible do. that he can win another Gold Cup, although by the Nate, that, that was a strange race because he was basically against a whole load of mile and a half horses. Um, so well, it tested him in a different way. In terms way. of figures, that's the interesting thing. I saw a tweet from our man Simon Rowlands who get his time analysis on the website, and he makes the point that this horse is capable of sort of dipping under these 11-second yeah. furlongs, which is unusual. For, well, it's for why he's running an Art yeah. de Triomphe. Exactly. It's why we've always said, perhaps more so when he was younger, maybe, maybe with the arc he just missed the boat by a year. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was just a year too late going for the arc. Um, what a horse, though. Oh, I mean, like, no-one of this era is not going to remember Stradivarius, exactly. just like people remember exactly. Yates and... and will will we remember Desert Crown? I yes. Wonder. Is he going to go and win the derby after what he did in the Dante? Will you, where do you stand now? I, I mean, you wouldn't want to bet against him, would you? I, I, he wouldn't... Well, when I say he wouldn't be my selection, he could easily be my selection if I wanted to just keep it easy in some ways, because he's unbeaten, 
He's won the Dante in facile style, suggesting that the longer trip will suit him. Um, and it looks a, a sort of winnable derby in that if you've got something quite special, you'll probably win it. Um, it's great to see Stout back. It's fantastic for Kingscott, who gave up a retained job on the pure chance that he might pick up a second-string horse for Stout, which is what's happened in this case, because Ramore would be on Desert Crown if Coolmore didn't have a whole host of, host of derby horses. That's why he left that role. And, and it's easy to forget that, that only last year, not only did he move from Manor House, but his, his brother, Carl, was involved in a horrific biking accident, which, which left him with some terrible, terrible injuries. The family have suffered over the last 12 months and have had to... To, to battle through things. Um, he's done that. And for Sir Michael, I gave the call out last Sunday. I said, Sir Michael, we need you. And I still give that call out. Like, we need Sir Michael to, to tell us what this means to him. Because this... he is one of these people, I think, doesn't understand that there's a certain era of racing fan that puts him on this pedestal of godlike creature. And he might be uneasy with that. But we want to talk to him about Sherlock. It's very difficult, though, isn't it? Because your nature is your nature and your personality is your personality. And I, I wonder whether what, what some people sometimes see as a kind of distance and standoffishness or, or always is just being, being private, being quite shy, actually. You can it? have a joke with, with Sir Michael. Exactly. And he's, yeah. he's... I mean, I've had many jokes with him and I've enjoyed it. Um, but this is almost a time when you, you want that serious conversation with him about, you know, I'd love to know what it means to him yeah. to have this horse now, just, just had he had the sprinter the other season. It's like, you know, this is... It's probably too far to go to say this is his Frankel moment that Sir Henry Cecil had. But there's definitely, you know, Sir Henry went like this, he was up here, down here, Frankel, back up here. Stout has been up here, down pretty much, and now it, Desert Crown could be the horse. It's very similar, the plateau. Right, well, and also the emotion that it inspires in the racing public, which is a genuine affection. Because uh, none of us really... People. With Cecil, you could get under the surface a little bit. With Sir Michael, you can't get it, and yeah, it's... Yeah, but I think, I think that was a long journey with Cecil as well, yeah. wasn't it? We had these tantalising glimpses of these people's characters, these huge, yeah. powerful CDs. And, I... and, you, and, and what you did glimpse was fascinating and, and yeah. charming and, and seductive. And, and it's a bit like that with Stout. And I think he, he may come to realise that that's what it is. That's why we want to be involved, with genuine fascination and affection yeah. for him. But... <laughs> This is obviously in a completely different context. I don't want anyone to take this literally, but Sir Michael has lost someone very special to him in the last two years. For those of us who are Sir Michael Stout fans, so to speak, like people who totally respect what he's done in this game, we feel we have lost him yeah. and we would love to get him back because he is here to be got back. And he has stories to tell. There will be gallops with Shergar or Sharistani or, or Workforce that he could be telling us about. There'll be something about Desert Crown that we don't know at the moment. There'll be something in his character. He says he's a very easy horse to train, that he's laid back, that, he's, that he seems a very simple horse. But even that, those are all things that could be gripping us yeah. about Desert Crown. And it would be lovely to know a little bit more from the master who's training him Agreed. just for because we love it sure agree and that's that, that that's, that's what's driving it and uh, we'll, we'll see where we end up by the end of this season uh, the derby market uh, uh, will have changed on the, on the back of that who do you think 
put up the most impressive trial? Because, of course, we have Emily Upjohn strolling home in the Musidora as well. She's the more likely classic winner, according to you. That was our poll, which is more likely to win a classic. Emily Upjohn, who we haven't really touched on. Her stable mate, Nashville, was good as well yesterday. Could we see Holly Doyle, first woman yep. rider, winning a classic? I think possible. Stone Age made it impossible for Desert Crown to win that yeah, yeah, vote. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Well, her way is clear, isn't it? And because, that, and also there's, a, there's going to be a large Irish community. Yeah. Well, having said that, I'm surprised Tuesday doesn't hold up a little bit stronger. Maybe it's just because the guinea seems like a long time ago now yeah, for yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. And Emily Upjohn has just hacked up. It does indeed. It's good to be talking about all these wonderful races and so much to look good forward to. Good to be talking, to. Sean. It is good to it's be good talking. To be in, it, but, in the zone. But what threats does this wonderful sport face? We'll be talking about that with Andrew Black after the break. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing. Myself and Matt Chapman with you. And uh, we turn our attention to an issue that's been cropping up uh, over the weeks here on the debate programme. Uh, the uh, imminent white paper, which will lay out the government's plans for a review of the Gambling Act and uh, changes that could follow on from that, which includes some that will impact racing potentially. One man who's got a strong view on that is owner, breeder, co-founder of Betfair, Andrew Black, uh, who joins us now. Many thanks, Andrew, for joining us. Um, you, you said in the, in the Racing Post, um, to lift a quote from your interview with the Post, that, that the, the changes, particularly around affordability and affordability checks, could be the single biggest thing that we have to combat as an industry. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it's a big change. It's, um, you know, there's a certain culture within racing, which, um, um, you know, for which, you know, you know, we all gamble. It's, it's, it's part of it. And I don't think people like too much intrusion. And um, these affordability bets are very, very intrusive. And they're going to affect the economics of um, um, bookmaking in a very, very big way. So, so you know, they're just going to make a lot of businesses. You know, if you if you sort of if you lose about sort of 30 percent of your business, then you may just become unprofitable as a result of that, because, you know, people have high overheads um, and we just can't afford that at this time. And and actually, um, you know, racing's racing's always, um, to my mind anyway, been, been, you know, a healthy, healthy sort of culture of gambling. Um, and I think that there are some unhealthy types of gambling or less healthy types of gambling that probably do need consideration and regulation. And I think we're being lumped in with those. And we just simply can't afford that. Well, we spoke to Karen Harris, MP, a couple of weeks ago on, the, on this programme, Andrew, and she said, no, 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 it's not horse racing. We're not really concerned about horse racing. We're concerned about those harder forms of gambling, the online casino type of, of gambling. Do you, do, you, do you not believe her or, or are you not confident that that distinction will be made in any legislation? Well, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, I can agree with her on that point. Um, I can agree with it that those types of gambling are less healthy than horse racing because they are, as I see them, um, sort of antisocial forms of gambling. Um, I've never been a supporter of, 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 of that. In fact, you know, when I was at Betfair for a long time, I was keen to keep um, the casino off the site, knowing that eventually it was it was going to come because because I believe in capitalism and sooner or later, you know, businesses have to compete with other businesses and we've got to we've got to be allowed to make money in the same way as everybody else. Um, but it's all very well for her to say, well, you know, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I'm after. But, but, but it, she, she, if we end up getting lumped in, um, in the same way as all other forms of gambling, you know, then, um, then, then, then we're going to, we're going to lose out because in order to differentiate between, um, um, affordability on, 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 on betting on fruit machines and casinos and, and horse racing, you need to introduce, for example, you need to introduce separate wallets for both. 
And my understanding is that they don't want to go down that path because they see it as too complicated. So, um, you know, it seems to me there's a very, very real danger that we will get lumped in. And as a result of that, you know, the whole industry is going to shift. Um, the, 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 the black market um, um, bookmakers and, you know, and, and, and some people are saying they don't, you know, they, they, they don't see them as a big threat, but they definitely are. Um, you know, they're just going to they're just going to make hay because they're, they're already saying sort of come to us, no affordability checks. Um, and I know small businesses that have lost huge amounts of, of business already to the black market players. Um, and that and that exodus is just going to continue. So 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 we're in a, you know, a very precarious position and we have to we have to, you know, to my mind, fight for our rights to continue um, operating um, without any disadvantage to the black market. But for me, that that is one of the crucial sentences, though, fight for our rights. Um, We've discussed this on this show with lots of people, and, and now you. Uh, it's been discussed on other shows, podcasts, debated in the Racing Post. But I don't know who the people are that are actually going to help put our word across. When, when we're saying in these debates that we have on shows that are watched by people who like betting and aren't going to have any problem with the current status quo, who exactly can help us in this situation and who should be campaigning for us in government? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we have to, we have to fight for ourselves. We have to make it clear that, 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 that you know, any unwelcome intrusion into our industry would be taken very, very badly. Um, I mean, people out there will listen and there are people in government, plenty of people in government who will, who will fight for our cause. Um, you know, there are plenty of MPs who are on side. Um, I mean, the, the problem is that there's, there's, there's been a bit of a sort of shift in recent times um, in, in, in thinking. And, and, and I think that the sort of, I guess, I guess the anti-gambling lobby are a bit more powerful than they were before. Um, and they've got a bit more influence in government. And, and there's, a, there's a sense that, that social media are behind them. But social media is such a distorting lens. I mean, it gives such a sort of untrue picture of, of, of what's going on in the real world. Um, and I think that they believe there's a stronger, there's a stronger sort of feeling behind, behind anti-gambling than perhaps there actually is. Um, so we have, to, we have to, you know, anyone that, that we know collectively, um, um, you know, as, as an industry who has influence um, in the corridors of power, we need to be, you know, speaking to them and make sure they're speaking for us, you know, loudly for us on our behalf. Because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with apologising for being a gambler. I'm proud of being, being, being a gambler and being involved in horse racing. And, you know, and I think, you know, the positive massively outweigh the negatives. And we, we, start, we need to get on the front foot here. Do you think that that ship might have sailed a little bit, Andrew? There seems to be, it seems to be lots of people on, on our side of the argument, if I can put it like that, who seem to concede, actually, something must be done and, of course, people must be protected and, of course, things are bad and, and, and they need to be made, made better. Should, 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 should we have made that argument from a, a stronger point of principle to start with in terms of defending people's rights to do what they want with their money? Yes, we should have done. Um, but um, that's neither here nor there, really. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we, we should have done more earlier. I think a lot of damage has already occurred. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know, I know, you know, I was chatting to a small bookmaker at Chester um, and he says his five biggest clients have all gone black market. And because because he's already made a load of changes ahead of this white paper, and you know, as, as a lot of businesses have. And I've just sat there watching, um, thinking, what are you doing? You're looking at looking at businesses that, you know, I know. Um, um, essentially, just 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 becoming so overbearing with their, their with their with their customers. You know, to me, you never become overbearing with your customers. I mean, I've had three phone calls from different people, um, you know, giving me long lectures about betting, um, you know, asking me where my money's coming from, so on and so forth. 
Um, and, and at the end of it, you just get frustrated and annoyed. And I'm like, why do I have to suffer all of this? It's irritating. I mean, I thought the customer was always right. And, um, um, you know, it's my money, I'll spend it as I like, you know, and I could be a bit sort of, you know, pompous and self-righteous when you put on the spot things in situations like that. But, but I feel that, I feel that you, you know, you have to look after your customers. And I think that, that we're being forced not to. So I, I think a lot of ground has already been lost. And I agree with that. Do you, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean we can't start trying to claim it back. Andrew, it's, I was interested because you had a, a runner with Mark Johnston the other day. And yeah. I was thinking you and Mark in some ways are a, are a strange combo. But then, you know, Harry Finlay and, and Barber were a strange combo in that... Mark is a, very much an advocate for it's not all about the betting and it's about the stories and all that kind of thing. You obviously feel betting is a big part of it. But as, as, a, as a sport in general, the stories obviously are important. We all love them. But have we slightly been at fault in going down a route of it's, it's not all about the betting? Because in many ways, it is. You know, <laughs> that's what horse racing is. It's a betting pastime there can be lots of great stories in that and lots of great characters but at the end of the day this is a gambling sport and we seem ourselves to be ashamed by that yeah i mean i, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't like it as much if it wasn't i mean i mean i mean i mean to me the betting is absolutely intrinsic to it um i mean it always has been for me you know from when i was you know sort of you know first in a bookie when i was you know 18 or uh, you know, just 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 the, sort of the whole culture around there, and and that culture does does kind of mix in with 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 the culture of racing. And I know that some people, for them, it isn't really about betting for sure. But betting is betting betting is the economics. Betting is you know it it, 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 it fuels the whole sport, and it has done forever. You know, I mean, you look back three hundred years to, to sort of York racing when you know three hundred thousand people turned up at the Knavesmire or whatever, and and see what a massive cultural thing that was. And and this is a big part of our history, and and you can't you can't deny that um so so racing is there you know it is it is absolutely there to entertain the masses and um, um and it always has been and to sort of i think i think to sort of imagine that it might be elitist and it might be for for, for for the owners competing against other owners well there is there is absolutely an element of that but you have to have both as far as i'm concerned and i've always embraced both and i think racing would be um uh, i think it would be a terrible shame if ever if ever that, that 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 situation didn't exist i think racing would ultimately just just wither and die without without um without betting and i think we need to acknowledge that yeah absolutely you, me you mentioned the, the the history of the sport and, the, and the, the huge crowds that used to go racing uh historically we still get huge crowds for big meetings Andrew, but there's been some slightly worrying sounds yeah. of, of late around some some big meetings that the numbers have been a little bit down uh post pandemic what what, are you concerned about that? Have you got any theories as to why that might be happening? I, I absolutely am concerned. I think it's very concerning, and I think, I think we've seen we're seeing numbers turning down, um, um, betting wise, and we're seeing we're seeing attendances at racecourses fall, um, and and both of those are worrying. Um, I'm not sure what the why, why attendances are falling, and I think we probably need to conduct a bit more research into that. I'm not going to guess as to exactly why it is. Um, but it would be lovely to get back to the sort of, you know, the days when, when you know, you had big, healthy attendances. I think, I, think one, I think it is a problem. You're made to be a little bit kind of ashamed of yourself if you're involved in racing and betting. And I'm, I'm, I'm fed up with that. I don't feel ashamed to be, to be involved in this wonderful sport. And I think, I think we need to, um, um, you know, we need to collectively just, 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 just shrug that off because, because um, you know, we need to push on. Racing is actually, for, for so many reasons, is, 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 you know, a fantastic sport for 
um, um, you know, for this century. There's, there's so much to it, you know, particularly if you get into you know breeding and pedigrees and all that sort of thing, which I so love. Um, so, so we need to be positive. But just for now, we need to make sure that we don't get we don't get some sort of uh, we don't get inflicted some sort of you know major flesh wound from um, uh, from the anti gambling lobby in this white paper. I, I want to talk to you about the the, the breeding side of things uh, uh, very quickly, Andrew. But just before we do, I know that some people will be watching this and they'll be saying it's all very well talking about bookmakers being under pressure and they're losing customers and all the rest of it. But have they not made a rod for their own back? A by um, turning away punters by limiting them and, and factoring them down so it becomes impossible to have a decent bet, and B, by not taking care of people who were genuinely vulnerable. And there have been one or two horror stories of, of people losing yeah, yeah. huge sums of money. So is, is, is there not an element... There absolutely by which the, is an the, the, element of that. I completely agree with what you're saying. I think, I think, I think it's very interesting. I mean, if you get into, I mean, I'm, I've never really been a fan of the online casinos and, 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 and you know, and, and the fruit machines and such like, um, um, on the on the whole. But I, but but I'm, I'm interested in it, and of course, Betfair did it. So 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 you know, I, I've I've been involved in that. And if you get into that, there is a science behind it. Um, and and you know, I believe in capitalism and all that sort of thing. And you you, you get into those things, and, and and you get into the science of making people bet more. Um, on an online casino, and 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 as as time goes on, you get better and better at doing that. You you, you understand it more and more, and um, um, you find ways just to sort of you know just to sort of make people bet more, just because because it automatically evolves in that way, and as a result, that rod that you're making for your back becomes a bigger and bigger rod, because because you know you are you are creating addicts um, among, amongst your customers. And I'm sure that the industry is guilty of, of, of plenty of that. I mean, all they've tried to do is make as much money as possible. Um, and, and why wouldn't they do that? They're all businesses and that, that's what they're going to do. Um, and you could say, well, the regulator actually is probably more guilty because, because the regulator has to ensure that that doesn't happen. But it's, it's been very, very difficult. So I don't think this should be about blame. I mean, I mean, things have evolved to the point, you know, you know I think the industry should have been more responsible. But I mean, the industry is just the industry. They're just trying to make money. The regulator is, is finding it difficult to keep up. These things are all natural things that are naturally going to happen um, in a situation like this. So, so th there doesn't need to be any blame. We just need to look at this and say, well, well, this is a situation that needs remedy, um, and we need to we need to set about this and make sure that the remedies are sensible. That people are protected from from this kind of anti-social gambling, which which I don't like. But that we don't. We don't want to set out and damage them for the sort of, you know, what I see is the, is, is the healthy social gambling, things like racing. So we just need to make sure that, that in this process we're not caught in the crossfire. But can I just change the subject just very quickly, just to one thing I wanted to ask you about Betfair, um, yep. which obviously you founded with Edward Ray. I think the, the yep. two of you were the, the, the two people who kicked it off. Just people always say, oh, there's, there's Andrew Black, there's Burt Black, founder of Betfair. But not all of us know the story of how that happened. I mean, was this a day when you're sat in a room with Edward Ray and suddenly, you know, you see the light or something? How, can you give us any idea of how that moment happened one day where you and Edward thought, hold on, we are about to just change the betting world? Well, I mean, they were my ideas, really. I mean, I was, I was working for the government um, at GCHQ, the sort of spy central. Um, and I was I was always very, very interested in the Internet and I, I could see the bookmakers coming onto the Internet um, and sort of continuing to operate in the same way as they'd always operated and thinking this is wrong. This isn't how it should be. You know, it needs to be different. The Internet is a different, different world. It needs to work in a different way. 
I had all the ideas for Betfair. They just came to me. I don't know. I was sitting in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere having a cigarette. And um, I just suddenly just pictured it. And um, and normally, I, I, I guess I pictured a lot of things. And then you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and you think, oh, what was I doing? I have a ridiculous idea. <laughs> but actually, I woke up the next day and I thought, no, this, this is actually a goer. And the more I thought about it in the coming weeks, it just I just just came together in my head, and I just thought this is something that could really work. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I mean, it's not a, a work of genius. It's a very simple thing, but it was just a question of just getting it right. But um, you know, it's, it's it's a lovely business, and I'm very proud of it. Yeah, yeah, getting it right, and also get, also getting it through, you know, which must have been a a, a, yeah. a, ch a challenge as well from that point of view, you know, legis legislatively and so on. Uh, before, while we've got you, Andrew, because you're a breeder of horses as well, now an owner and a breeder. I, I think of you as an owner, and I think of your colours, but the, the breeding side, there was a horse running in Godolphin Blue uh, the other day called Noble Style, which won on his debut at Ascot, and won well, and, and that's, that's, that's your work. Yeah, I mean, he could be anything. I mean... I look at him there. He looks bigger than I remember he was when I when we sold him to Godolphin. He was number one in um, in the sale, the very first lot that went through. We got well paid for him. Um, um, I'm absolutely thrilled for Godolphin. I'm incredibly excited about seeing him run at Royal Ascot. He's the mayor's first um, progeny to race, which is really exciting. She's got a beautiful Camelot filly um, um, with her at the moment, Foal. Um, he could be something very special. But he's only run once. Um, who knows? Any mixed feelings when you when you've sold one, uh, Andrew, and it goes and does that? Or I would have mixed feelings if I'd sold him badly. So if they'd bought him off me very cheaply or something like that, or I felt there was something wrong with the sale that I didn't like, I would definitely have mixed feelings. But I have no mixed feelings at all. I was absolutely thrilled um, when he won. I genuinely have no mixed feelings. And if he goes on and you know wins absolutely everything, I would be overjoyed. Yeah. Um, for, um, um, for Godolphin, um, and apart from anything else, I own the man. So. Exactly. <laughs> we have to say that Andrew went down this route of doing things differently. So, as far as I remember, Andrew, your idea was to get a super sire and then a mare that had basically just been, you know, the Matt Chapman of the world, just terrible, and, 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 and put them together and see what happens. That, that was kind of it, wasn't it? There was a bit more to it than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my idea, I, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly proud of Noble's style, if I'm honest, because I didn't try to, when I, when I had my, I tried to breed a broodmare. I was always trying to breed broodmares, not, not racehorses, and then try and breed a racehorse from a broodmare. So a horse like Noble's style, I sort of plotted him out about eight years ago. So you've had to wait a very, very long time that horse to come so you have a certain horse and you think i'm going to make that horse right by breeding with this horse and i'm going to breed a broodmare from that horse and then hopefully she can breed me a champion so you get these things that pan out over over decades and in a way he's kind of the first horse that is the sort of the, the, the product of a sort of a, a multi-year plan so i planned out his mother as a broodmare not really as a racehorse although she was a pretty good racehorse i was never thinking of her as a racehorse but i was thinking of him as a racehorse so, 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 um, um, that was that. That was, you know, a long-term plan. And I think, I think, you know, most of the time when you do well, you're probably just lucky. But I think, I think we definitely plotted that one out a long time ago. Good stuff. Um, so, you know. Congratulations. We'll watch his career with interest. Look, many thanks for your time today, Andrew. Really appreciate that. Okay, pleasure.
Thank you, Andrew. Andrew Black, their breeder, owner, uh, founder of Betfair, and uh, interesting to hear from him. Now, uh, we're going to hear from Gay Kellaway next. We know her, of course, as a racehorse trainer, but she's been up to uh, something else. Uh, good work, uh, which has taken her all the way across Europe to the border of Ukraine. Find out more after the break. Welcome back to Racing Debate here on Sky Sports Racing with myself and Mr Chapman. Been a good show, isn't it? Well, we'll let the viewers be the judge of that. Okay. Um, we are all aware of what's been going on in Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Millions of people displaced, but also displaced horses. Horses owned by those people who've had to flee and all kinds of other uh, complications as well. And one person who's been getting on and doing some work on that is Gay Kellaway, who joins us now live. Um, many thanks for joining us, Gay. I've... I've, I've saw on Twitter what you've been up to, but uh, tell us what you've been doing, first of all. Good morning, Boise. <clears throat> Good morning, Matt. Morning. Great opportunity to talk to you. Um, <laughs> what I've been doing, well, this time last week, I'd just driven into the border of Ukraine. We'd driven overnight, left uh, Saturday morning. Uh, Neil Carson, myself, and uh, Juliet Bennett, Julia Bennett and uh, Alex, we uh, got a team together, and uh, two lorries, one lorry, Kindly donated, I can't uh, donated a lot of help, a lot of donations we took over. A lot of people have been absolutely fantastic, uh, from dog food to a lot of horse feed and uh, shavings. And most vital is veterinary, of course. And that's Charlie there with Julia behind. Charlie Thornycroft runs the hub. Uh, there's only a small group of us. We have no support from any other uh, charities. The only charity that supported us is a pony club and uh, Ben Shelgut that um, actually organises all the transport for us to get across, ship us across on the boat or, or a train. But uh, we basically go from Harwich and straight through Holland, Germany, and straight up to um, Moloposki, where um, it's right on the border of Lviv. So you're on the Polish border with Ukraine. You, you mentioned a sort of hub there. What's, what's happening, Gay? What, 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 horses are coming out of Ukraine, are they, and, and being based there, and then you're moving them on? Yeah, it's not quite as simple as that. Some poor horses last week were stuck on the board of no hay or water from Thursday through to Monday, and they're in a desperate state. We have guys sent over, we pay. We have to trust to pay. There's a lot of corruption, of course. Um, and they go over in, in lorries and pick up horses. Clearly, the horses are loose. They've got no head collars. They've picked up a piece of string. We put them on the lorries and try getting them through. Um, uh, we've obviously, no, there's no paperwork, so we try and get the paperwork sorted out. A lot of these horses aren't chipped, which is a bit of a problem. If they're chipped, we can find out the owners. And what we do when we get to the hub, uh, Charlie tries to reunite the owners in a matter of a telephone call because of the chip, and we get them together. And they come and join us, and we try and get... We had uh, two girls that uh, managed to get the horse down to Holland in the hub in Holland we have, and then across to Ireland, um, being an EU country, we managed to get a lot, quite a few horses to Ireland and, and the girls as well which is wonderful. And the, the trip we did, us guys, we took a horse that went over to Portugal uh, with a family. I took a family, uh, mother and daughter, little dog and the horse, and managed to get it down to Holland and across to Portugal. These are people that have lives like you and me, normal lives, uh, everything's gone. Um, I mean, what the poor woman, she said, uh, put it in perspective, which she said, this is my life in this suitcase. This is all I have left. And it's so sad. It really is so sad. What what inspired you to do this, Gay? Because we're all seeing these images on our TV and stuff and thinking, you know, this is tough. And as you say, people who until very recently were living in cities just like ours with lives just like ours, suddenly all torn apart. What what made you get up and go and do something? 
Well, obviously, I'm a massive animal lover, whether it be dog, cats and horses, you know, and uh, when I saw them all struggling, and we've actually saved quite a few dogs and cats as well. Um, it's not just horses. And when Charlie Mann said he was running an um, a, a exhibition, a convoy across and taking a lot of supplies across to Ukraine, I like volunteers, and I thought the right thing to do. You know, I had the time. I only got 25 horses in training, so I can make the time. I've got a wonderful team here at home. Um, rather than taking holidays, um, I just felt I wanted to do something worthwhile. So I uh, called Charlie, but uh, Charlie said, you realise we're only taking human supplies over there. And Jenny, who is partner to Tim Thompson-Jones, called me and said, I'm taking horse supplies. Do you want to join me? So I followed her with her lorry, and uh, that's where we ended up meeting up with Charlie and um, all her volunteers there. Um, she has a wonderful vet called Cuba. He just turned up with 16 horses one day, and um, he just keeps going back and forth across the border where a lot of the roads are bombed. And um, so obviously it's very difficult for transport to get across. We we're literally picking up um, loose horses and that these poor people have had to just leave because they basically got, haven't really even got the money to go across themselves the border. They yeah. just live in hope. You know, they literally live in hope that someone picks them up and we're the only ones actually doing it with Charlie and her gang. And like I said, we have no other support from any other charity. There's like a dozen of us all together teamed up and we get on really, really well. And uh, we just work along. It's just a line of various, we have our own sort of spots where we get on and uh, I'm, I'm trying to raise obviously as much money as I can through the media and various people I know. And um, ARC have just come up trumps and, and donated quite a considerable amount of money. So that's been fantastic. And that will go towards, obviously, we have a lot of transport and the diesel's quite high. and. And uh, that's Alex taking the horse off there, just arrived in the Holland Hub. We arrived about midnight there. Um, and it's a, it's a hell of a drive. It's what you talked about to get from Holland to there is about 16 hours solid driving with a few pit stops on the way. My team have been absolutely brilliant, absolutely fantastic. And they've really pulled together and it just shows racing. We some wonderful people in racing and we've raised most of the money from racing people which is absolutely fantastic. It's fantastic work, Gay. Nice to hear that Ark and others are, are, are pitching in. What what can the rest of us do? How can we support you? It's just basically donating um, through my Just Giving account. It's Gay Kellaway, Just Giving, um, Saving Horses in Ukraine. And it's not just racehorses, even though we picked up a Galileo two-year-old filly the other day, apparently, Charlie told me. <laughs> it, was about, it was about 14 hands, bless her. But uh, she'll go down to Warsaw, and I've got contact there, Mark, in... In, in the Warsaw, in Warsaw on the racetrack there. But um, basically, if you've been, you just, um, it's the crowdfunding, donating, Teresa's running the accounts, it's all legit, and every, every penny you see will go towards uh, everything towards this hub we have running. Um, Charlie literally gave up a job. She went over there to volunteer for three days and she stayed there six months. She's still there six months. So she's an amazing person. And it's thanks to her we keep running the show. And Ben, of course, back in the UK, who has, um, shipping business and bucking and uh, he's been absolutely wonderful and basically a, a small team of us just basically just pulling our weights and and doing stuff the best we can obviously we've all got jobs but we're fitting around it and it's it's really important it's certainly worthwhile so most worthwhile thing i've ever done in my life of course in between all that uh, you went to chester and had the runner-up in the lily agnes that must have given you a a big kick yeah, she was a great filly, and uh, uh, unfortunately, with the present situation of racing in the UK, we, unfortunately, we had to sell her, and now she's gone. She left the yard, and she'll race in France and then go on to, to, to um, America, and I couldn't really justify keeping her in the UK. <laughs> so it's very competitive at Ascot, and it is good prize money there, but there's not a lot else 
many other racetracks where there's good prize money. So um, unfortunately, we are losing our better horses abroad. Interesting, interesting. Look, uh, many thanks for your time to get today, Gay. Really appreciate that. And uh, brilliant effort from you and everyone else that you're working with. Well done. Thanks, Boise, and well done, see you soon, Matt. Thank you. Well done. That is astonishing, isn't it? Gay Kellaway and other people that she named there. There's obviously quite a few people pitching in, but that's a hell of an effort. Well, it's just, look, <laughs> a lot of us talk about this kind of stuff, yeah, but it's yeah. different between talking about it, and you can talk about it sincerely and have genuine yeah, feelings for yeah, people, yeah. but she's taken it to a completely different level. Typical Kellaway, isn't it? It's typical Kellaway. I mean, you, you just jump in the horse be... box and go out there. Yeah. I pick mean, up a horse. Yeah. All you can do is give her credit. Like, no... <laughs> like, Gay and I have a lot of battles continually, but this is one that she would always win because no-one could criticise anything she's doing on this camp. And if you want to give out, Sean, there's the address again. Yep. Justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash saving horses in Ukraine hub. Any search engine will get you to that as well if you haven't got time to jot that down. Terrific effort from Gay Kellaway. Well done to her and everyone else involved in that. Uh, your views on some of our topics coming up. Welcome back to Racing Debate. Myself and Mr Chapman come to the Skypad, ah. which is a queue normally for your views. You can get in touch via Twitter and emails. Lots of you have been doing that. You posed some questions, I think, after racing about Bayou. On the last word, yeah. yeah on, uh, Always every Saturday. Is he, what did you ask? Is he a worldie? Is no, I was kind of saying, like, is he the best horse in the world? Like and, you know, is Desert Crown a good thing in the derby? Those kind of questions. Yes. He's just opening it up yeah. to the public. Let's see what people said. Yeah. Uh, Are Giacomo horse racing? I don't think Chindit, Mother Earth, Real World and Alcohol Free are real superstars, but Bayid brushed them aside on his first run yesterday. It's kind, it's kind of where we were at earlier on, I think. Yeah. I mean, Chindit's rated 112, Bayid 125. Bayid's beaten Chindit about five lengths. I thought it I mean, was a... It's locking you just go. It was good. Yeah. It was a decent-sized field and there was depth in there. There was a lot of good horses in there. There were good horses in there, but you have to remember the Mother Earth and Alcohol Phillies. They're getting the allowances marked into their ratings. Okay. And to be fair, are we getting to the stage with Alcohol Free where we're wondering how did she win a Sussex Stakes? I think, and a coronation. I think you've got to say that slightly. Maybe she just needs soft ground, and if it comes up soft somewhere, she'll bounce back to form. But at the moment, she's got a bit to prove. And Mother Earth is exposed against Colts. Yeah. She just doesn't beat Colts. Try breeding one, try buying one. Yeah, but uh, that's not what the question is. <laughs> Let's see what the next answer is. Uh, this is from FC Groove Rider. Uh, he likes the natural ability of Persian force. And Nashua, we didn't really touch on Nashua. I thought she was good. Uh, but Baid is different gravy. Yes, to the question, read the derby. Desert Crown is the one. But he's assessing which horse will travel like travelly things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Well, you would, because that's... Yeah, I mean, I think Desert Crown will travel very strongly. You'd imagine Stone Like Age. a travelly thing? I, I, I wouldn't say like a travelly thing. Well, it's not going to be hard on the steel. That's what he wants. Uh, not after two runs around Epsom. It's going to come off the bridle from time to time. But um, I thought Stone Age is likely to travel probably the best of the trial winners, because that went from the front at Leopardstown. The most travelling. Seemed to travel like a travelling. The most travelling of the trial winners. <laughs> the let's, Stone Age. Let's see what else uh, we've got. Ah, Jamie. Jamie's a, a Midland owner, amongst other things. I think, uh, I think Bayed was very impressive in the lock-in, saying uh, best horse in the world, brave, cool. Mm. Um, and he, and we'll have to see what the Longines people do after, after the lock-in, but he probably won't be. But by the end of the season, we would hope... Yeah, look, best in the horse in the world is, is kind of a stupid thing in some ways because it's like 
rugby league and rag, rugby union when you're comparing a five furlong sprinter yeah. with a miler or a two miler or turf and dirt yeah but we do have a rating system and yeah. via the rating system there will hopefully be one horse there might be sometimes two but one horse who comes up at the top of it and at the moment the most likely horse to come up the top of it is this animal trained in Newmarket by William Haggis. We're very excited about him. We hope he continues to impress. But it is a bit like comparing rugby and rugby, apparently. Uh, <laughs> in the Oaks, it'd be great to see a syndicate go for um, a classic race. Rogue Millennium, who won the Oaks trial, of course. I, 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 yeah, um, she, I think she needs to be supplemented still. Uh, but Emily Upjohn was very impressive in the Musidora, the way she pulled away. She was. Um, see both Coston Phillies in the Oaks, or they might. I think to the people Vienna. are forgetting that Tuesday was the Philly equivalent of Luxembourg going into the 1,000 Guineas. She ran third. She wasn't running on massively strongly, but they really feel she's a mile and a half horse. And okay. Won't surprise me if Tuesday runs much better. In it. I've, I've, I've got a bit of social media I wanted to share with you. Oh no. I recorded this on my phone. Uh, this was a little bike ride I went on. Oh yeah. From Cheltenham. Oh. Machine Murphy. Looking strong up Corndean Lane. 20 seconds later, Ashim Murphy looking less strong up Corndean Lane. So, Ashim, yeah. having tried this out a bit, yeah. do you think Chapman is up for it? No, I don't. And you're a hell of a lot fitter than him. <laughs> But if he gets some training in? No, no, he, he's just not a natural athlete. <laughs> so that, that was Ashim Murphy throwing down the gauntlet. I mean, ridiculous. You. And also, where, where, which, which, Murphy, I said to you, I said to you, no lycra, OK? It's <laughs> horrible, horrible lycra trousers. I bet he loved pulling those. That was Ashim uh, Murphy. That was A.P. McCoy behind him coming out. Uh, it, I have to say, Boise, you didn't sound as if you were going to last much longer. I tell you what, I, I blew up really badly. Uh, Ashim got off. oxygen machine Ashim, Ashim got off and pushed. And 30 seconds later, I got off and pushed as well. You can get involved. You could ride with Matt Chapman. You could, more importantly, ride with A.P. McCoy or Ashim Murphy. Cycling. Anyone can enter. Anyone can enter. You can go at your own speed. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, and I will be. Are you going to do it? I'll be going very slowly, I can tell you. My little mountain bike. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Got super cool headphones. You'll have a chance to pass. Uh, Matt, how can you pass that up? <laughs>